0: Good evening. You know, there are those times, and I don't know why, but just it doesn't happen very often, I can assure you, but every now and then I get song leader envy. Uh, I, I just, it'd be cool to have that kind of voice and that kind of confidence to be able to do that, but uh, especially for nights like tonight, uh, when, when I watch Mark do that and bring everybody in and he talks to you about how the singing's going to be so much better, uh, I'm envy of that uh, because... I can't f- possibly find a seat for you guys in here where the preaching's going to be better. And, and so, but a song leader can do that. And then you throw on top of it, we don't have very many people. And then and the added pressure, uh, apparently, you know, the demographics tonight are going to be a little bit different than Sunday night. Apparently, I've got a you know, group of people in here now that, you know, need a sippy cup with juice and, and cookies and, and everything like that. So I got to hold their attention. And on top of that, i got the kids in here, too. So it's, uh, if you've got your Bibles, open up to the book of Judges. Open up to the book of Judges and just kind of go there somewhere, and then we'll get there here in just a second. I am not real good at moderation. I, it's, it's sort of all or nothing to me. And I'm either woefully indifferent or way too passionate. I'm either wide awake or dead asleep. I really don't have too many speeds somewhere in the middle. You know, if I'm going to diet, I'm just going to starve myself to death. Or I'm just going to eat. I mean, I just don't really have, you know, something in the middle. And I find myself getting that way spiritually sometimes. And it isn't so much that I'm either red hot or I'm apathetic or anything like that. It's it's because sometimes I will look at the Bible. And what I want for sort of the next step is I look at what God has in store for me, the things I need to be working on, the, the places I need to concentrate, the talents I need to use, whatever that next step is. Rarely do I do it in moderation. Very rarely do I look for just sort of a nice step a little bit of an improvement. I look at passages in the Bible, and I look at stories in the Bible, and what I want so desperately is to take some big, huge leap to go from wherever it is I am, whatever it is I'm doing, and do something big. And I find myself oftentimes talking myself out of some of the smaller steps. I talk myself out. That's not big enough. Not because I need a big scale or some grand, you know, kind of platform or anything like that. But I just talked myself, it's not a big scale. It's not big enough. I need to jump higher. I need to run faster. And one of the things that you look at in the Bible, and it's easy to kind of find ourselves kind of pulled into that trap of somehow, some way, what we need to do is something so big and so bold that it's just huge. And if you think about it, we never, ever, I've yet to be at a VBS. I've yet to be in a class. I've yet to be anything where we try to instill in our kids just a little bitty step. We tell them stories, big stories, don't we? We tell them to the dramatic stories. We try to get them to understand just something here to something here. We like David and Goliath because it's a short little boy and a tall great giant. And we like those kind of dramatic stories. What I want you to do is I want you to turn to the book of Judges, chapter 6. And the book of Judges is unique for so many reasons, but there's this passage in here and there's this concept in here that we tend to blow completely past. And it's this idea of just one really good intermediate step. And we blow right past it. And again, the book of Judges is one of those that, you know, it can only be preached on tonight because here in a second we're going to start it on, you know, in, in a few weeks on Sunday mornings. And then it'll look like I kind of, you know, got cheap on you and, and kind of stole from one of the Sunday morning lessons. And we can't have that. But, you know, that's why we're in there tonight. But in the book of Judges, chapter 6, we read about Gideon. Now I've talked to, and I love the story about Gideon. I mean, I think that it would be Gideon, I think there's so many people in the Bible that, I mean, there's incredibly people, enough to fill eternity of fascinating people just to sit and listen to talk. I I don't know why I'm just drawn to Gideon a lot. I guess because the, the humble beginnings where he started, you know, the lack of courage for where he began... And then to go on and you just look at some of the, the, the great things, he did, the fleece and the 300 men, and we look at all the, 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 the huge story, but the one that I want you to look at tonight is I want you to look kind of there in verse 28, and we're going to read the next few verses. Judges chapter 6, verse 28. Because the other tough thing, let's just face it, uh, anybody can preach on Sunday mornings. That's easy. I mean, it really is. I mean, that's a cakewalk. I mean, you, you can do that and because everybody's awake and everything else. But more than that, by the time we get to Sunday evenings, even if the weather was great and everything like that, you are already starting to go into Monday mode. And you're starting to think about things that are going to happen tomorrow. The things that are going to happen at work, the things that are going to happen at home, the things that are going to happen at school. And one of the tough things about Sunday is trying to give you some nugget of something that survives past sort of the Monday mode that you're going through and just hangs in there just long enough for you to do something with it six, seven, eight o'clock tomorrow morning. And that's what we're going to try to do. In Judges chapter 6, verse 28, here comes this intermediate step that Gideon takes. Now remember, Gideon is going to start in a very, very low situation. When the angel comes to Gideon, Gideon is hiding. Gideon is fearful. Gideon is threshing wheat in in, in this press, and he's doing so so that he can't be seen by the oppressive people that have taken over the countryside. Because the way things worked back then is if they saw you, if the the Midianites or whoever it was that was oppressing you and occupying you at the time, if they saw what you were doing, especially if it involved food or cattle or anything like that, they would just come take it. I mean, not only were they mean, but they were very, very lazy. And so if you're threshing wheat and you're having to sort of get you know these kernels and these grains and everything like that from which you could bake bread and they see you doing it, they're just going to come take it away. So Gideon is hiding. And as the angel describes to Gideon, hey, God is calling you to do something, you valiant warrior. What Gideon says is, you don't understand. I'm hiding right now. And not only am I hiding, but I am the smallest, the youngest of the least. And what he says is, angel, what you don't understand is, you would be hard pressed to find somebody any lower on the scale than me right now. Socially speaking, culturally speaking, just courageously speaking, it really wasn't going to get much lower than Gideon. Now, as we flip a couple of chapters later, we look at these great battles that Gideon has. These remarkable things that he's involved in, that that God is doing, but with him. and And he's going to go from here just to here. And we celebrate that. But what I want you to look at is beginning in verse 28, he takes this step in between. It's a beautiful, it is a wonderful step. I don't even know if he really fully appreciated just how significant that step was. In verse 28, it says, Now when the men of the city arose early morning, behold, the altar of Baal was torn down. And the Asherah which was beside it was cut down, and the second bull was offered on the altar which had been built. Here's what happened. As they woke up one morning, because keep in mind, this area is completely besieged with idol worship at this point. And not just, you know, I'm not talking about, you know, just they're not real faithful Christians. I'm talking about they are worshiping the Baals. They are worshiping the idols. I mean, that's part of the reason that they, you know, they'd been oppressed and everything like that. God was going to let them suffer. They are actively worshiping other gods. And so one morning as they get up and they go downtown and they look around, they look and basically what has happened is the, all, some of the altars had been torn down. The altars to the false gods had been torn down. And they looked around, and they wanted to know who did this. In verse 29, they realized Gideon did this. Gideon tore these down. Now, here's where it gets remarkable. So not only did it happen, but it was obvious that Gideon did it. And this this procedure and this event was so significant at the time that as you skip down to verse 32, he gets a new name. So, not only did it happen, not only did they know exactly who did it, but this was so significant that in verse 32, he gets the name Jerubal, Jerubal, however you want to pronounce that, one who contends with Baal. At that point in time, it was so significant. It meant so much, socially, culturally, politically, that not only did Gideon get the credit, but this was such a big deal that Gideon got a new name. He got himself a nickname. And I tell you that just because this is this beautiful intermediate step. Somewhere between way down here and way up here, Gideon makes this step. And what I want you to notice about the step is the step is big. I mean, in terms of where he is, it's not this huge step, but it's a significant step. But not only is it a significant step, but it's one of those steps where he just can't go backwards, can he? Because now he's got a new name. Now he's got this reputation. You can't go back on it now. And, and you, if you watch that, and if you really stop to think, because what we always want to do is we want to talk about the story of Gideon. As if somehow he went from something so low to something so high. And he did. But what we miss out is this wonderful step in between. Or through his faith and through his conviction, he took one good, bold step. It wasn't his only step. It wasn't his final step. It wasn't his big step, it wasn't his grandest step or anything like that, but it was bold, it was significant. And in doing so, all of a sudden, he now didn't have to jump from here to here with God. Now all he had to do was jump from here to here with God. And he had the reputation and the nickname to go with it. And my guess is, and as I want to talk to Gideon, is I want to understand what was it like that day to have that new name? What did it feel like that morning when everybody had given you that name and you realized that you were a valiant warrior? What was it like before you went into the big battle? What was it like before you separated all the people out so that you only had 300 valiant warriors? What was it like just that day when all you did was got a new name. And my guess is what he's going to do is he's going to look at me and he goes, oh, it was great. He might even pull me aside. You know, I was still pretty scared. You know how that is. But I had a name. I couldn't go back. I had this taste of what God could do. Taste and see that the Lord is good, the psalmist would write. He had a taste. He had a new name. He had confidence. He had conviction. He would have a fire to his step. More importantly, what I want you to see is he had a name, a new name. Whether you want to call it a nickname or a renaming or whatever that is, he had done something that was such a significant departure from the culture, from the times, from everything else, even from his very own life, that he got a new name. And so tomorrow morning, or tonight really, but as you prepare and as you kind of go into Monday mode, I don't want you to, I don't want us to try to develop some new doctrine or some new understanding about what's going to happen in the afterlife. I don't want, you know, to try to you know, come up with five, six, seven, eight verses obscure that you've never heard of about grace or, or anything like that. We're not going to tackle any of that. What I want you to do is I want to talk you into tomorrow morning developing a new name. Tomorrow morning, I want you to be renamed. I'm not asking you to just set the world on fire tomorrow morning. That's unrealistic, I think, sometimes. And I think sometimes we walk away almost with a guilty feeling that we come out of this wonderful service and this, this great high on Sundays and Monday just doesn't turn out to be quite like we'd hope, and we think somehow we failed God that we didn't take this huge step, that we didn't make this huge leap, that we didn't just this huge monumental movement for Christ. And I think we talk ourselves into somehow this is success and this is just a failure. That's just not biblical. And it's certainly not the example that we see with Gideon. Tomorrow morning, I just want you to develop a new name. Now you're sitting there thinking, well, what am I going to do? What kind of name? Well, let me give you a few to choose from. And you can come up with your own, but these are names that I kind of look at and go, hey, these wouldn't be bad names. Uh, They don't really look good on the back of a sweatshirt or anything like that, and there's quite a few letters, and and it's really kind of hard to kind of have, you know, start with something that begins with Jeru and then kind of finish it with something really cool and catchy. But we're going to try tonight. Uh, After all, you guys have your sippy cup and you're wide awake and you're paying attention So instead of Jeroboam, because you're not going to contend with Baal's tomorrow. How about Jeru negativity? Perhaps for you, it isn't the altar of Baal that surrounds your life. It isn't the altar of the Asherah. Instead, it's the altar of Negativity. That you and the circumstances that you're around, the world and sort of the kind of the culture in which you occupy is so ridden and so laden with negativity. That you and all the people that you are around, you can talk about why things won't work, can't work, shouldn't work, have never worked and have no possibility of success. That in your sphere of influence, you know all the reasons why not to do something. You know all the downsides, all the risks, and everything like that. But tomorrow morning, what they need to see is a glimmer of optimism. To speak on behalf of what can happen. To speak on behalf of what faith can do. To speak on behalf of what a faithful God can perform. And in doing so, not only will you spread this wonderful sunshine, you will develop a new name. No longer will you be the person that partakes of negativity, or doubt, or maybe even fear. Your new name will be Jeru-Negativity, the one who contends with doubt, the one who contends with negativity. Might be a good name. You don't like that name? Let's try this one. How about Jeru-Impatience? Because your life and the circumstances and the situation seem to always seem to sort of aggregate and kind of combine and twist and turn in such a way that impatience fills the air. Where people can't talk without an impatient tone. It might be at home. It might be at work. It might be at school. It might wherever that might be. But there's this impatience. Things aren't happening fast enough. Things aren't happening good enough. My, me, my needs and my expectations aren't being met soon enough. I'm impatient. And so tomorrow, I invite you to bring the sunshine of patience, of calm, an extra thank you, an added please, a smile when things don't work out quite the way that you would hope, and it's not easy. Those of you that are parents, those of you that have been parents, you know what that's like. Monday morning, trying to get people ready. And I dare say that there are a lot of days that that's not my nickname. As we're looking for homework and looking for shoes and looking for car keys. And tomorrow morning, Jeru Impatience. Maybe what you need, and if that name's not good enough, let's try another one. Let's try something a little bit shorter. How about Jeru-me? Because of the situation that you encounter, for whatever reason, it's very, very me-centric. It's very selfish. That the people and the situations that you are around, it's all about self. What I can have, what I need, what I want, what needs that I have, what isn't being fulfilled. It's all about me. And it's not, again, the altar of Baal. It's the altar of Jim, John, Sally, the altar of self. We're day in and day out. We sacrifice all that we have. We sacrifice our money. We sacrifice our time. We sacrifice our lives. We sacrifice our honor. We sacrifice our character. We sacrifice our faith on this altar of self. And so tomorrow, maybe what you need to be encouraged to do is just all of a sudden think about others. Think less about self. And in doing so, not only will you stand out. Not only will it fundamentally change the situation and the circumstances and, and that entire sphere of people, but you'll get a new name. Oh, they may not use the word Jeru, but you will be known as one who contends with self. Maybe your name should be Jeru Twitter. Twitter. Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, pick your favorite social media. Not that I've got... I mean, anyways, I, I mean, I'm not a big fan of it, but that's, that's, that's a different sermon. It's not because it's evil in and of itself. But the world in which you live in is dictated by and defined by what comes across a phone. That is what tells me truth. That is what tells me what's valuable. That is what tells me what I need to know. That is what tells me what's important. That is what tells me what I need to focus on. That is what tells me where I need to let my mind dwell. That's what tells me where I need to place my heart. Not just you, but all the people around you. That's what you worry about. What? Comes across the phone. And let me recommend tomorrow that maybe for you, Jeru, social media needs to be your name. Not that it's bad, but this that you are contending with the world's definition of good, beautiful, popular, and important. And instead, you will behave. And you will go about your business, defining popular, important, beautiful by a completely different standard. And in doing so, not only will you fundamentally change the landscape that you're around, but you will get a different name, Jeru Social Media. Maybe your name, as we kind of wrap this up. Jeru silence. Jeru indifference. Jeru obscurity. Because and in your situation it isn't so much the bad things that happen it's it's the good things that don't happen. And that what happens is and what, you know, what sort of the, you know, earmarks the whole situation and what sort of defines it isn't so much you know, that you're doing bad or that bad things are happening, but just that there isn't this presence of good. God's people are silent. God's people are indifferent. God's people are there, but they're just not active in what's going on. Maybe it's the silence of prayer. Maybe it's the silence of participation in the lives of others. Maybe it's just the indifference of things that go on. And so tomorrow I'm not looking for something huge. I'm not looking for something great and grand or anything like that, but just a step that's so significant that people look around and go, Whoa, where'd that come from? Somebody is active. Somebody just made a difference. Somebody just stood up on behalf of somebody weak. Somebody said, enough. The coarse conversation. And in doing so, again, you change things, and you change the dynamics, and you change the landscape, but you get a new name, Jeru Silence. Silence. So as we look at Gideon tonight, and as we kind of wrap up, it's it's a pretty simple lesson. Just the power, first of all, of just one good, wonderful step. Just one good step. If you can take just one small step, just the confidence that you will have as a child of God. The platform that you will now have to be able to jump and do great things. Do not let Satan talk you into the fact that you need to do something huge and you need to do something grand on behalf of God. Just one good step, and in doing so, you'll get a new name. And, you know, whether your name is Jeru covetous, Jeru me, Jeru impatience, Jeru absence, negativity, silence, denial, we could go on. Tonight, however, as we close, there is one name that is even far greater than any of those others. And as much as I hope on Monday morning that you can kind of create one of those names for yourself, tonight there's really only one name I'm concerned with you being called, and that is the name of a Christian. Because it really isn't going to do a whole lot of good to contend with all those great things, because at the end of the day, the only thing, the only way, the only manner in which that we are able to contend with all of those things is if first and foremost, we are a child of God. Tonight, the question very simply is, is your name the name of a Christian? If it is not, we invite you to come All together we stand and we sing.